three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast, and it is the Reverend and the Captain... Lighting this motherfucker on fire is what I'm doing. Fucking the lighter up. Oh my God. Welcome to the sober episode, and that's how we do this. When we're sober, we just accidentally light equipment on fire and... We fuck everything up. It's terrible. It's bullshit. Oh my God, man. It has been a fucking couple of weeks. A month. Holy shit. Between the... Uh, Having Jacob Bryant, Grunt Style, uh, just everyone here has been fucking crazy. What an awesome, awesome time. Dude, we've had more excitement in the last month than I thought we'd have in a year. And I am so fucking spent. <laughs> <laughs> I was so ready to have a week without a guest that I was like, oh my God, thank you, please. <laughs> the fucking prep work that it takes to go into every single episode like that. I mean, and between that and just getting a chance to regroup and reset and reflect. I mean, so much shit that's gone down has been phenomenal. Oh, I know. And then we got another couple of big weeks coming as yeah. soon as we come back. Yeah, we've got Monica Adams coming in, yep. and that's going to be another big week. And then we got Tim Jensen coming in, yep. and it's like, fuck. Right yeah. back to it, man. Right back to it. Right back in the fold. I love it. So, yeah, you know, fortunate, grateful, right? Oh, absolutely. Right. Hands the, down. The, the traction that we have gotten, and, and a big shout out to everybody out there that's listening. We thank you so much for what you guys are doing for us. Blessed. I, I hope that we are making the impact on you guys that you all are making on us, because the opportunities that have been opening up and the, the way that this has been unfolding and the, the feedback that we get back from the fans and, and the way that it, it appears that this is changing lives yeah. is, you know, it's I, impactful. It's impactful. It really is. And it, um, you know, I go today, I, every day I wake up, it's just like grateful, man. Yeah. It's like, I'm living a dream. I mean, and we are technically. It literally, it's so fucking cool. So, what have you been? Other than all the craziness, oh, man, what have you been up to, man? My this is gonna sound really wrong. I married my sister, so seeing her, her and her fiance were uh, Saint Jen. Yeah, I know. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, I, I was the officiant of their wedding. So I've, I've over the last few years, I've moonlighted that a little bit, just kind of giving people their custom ceremony that you're ordained fuck yeah man oh shit you didn't know that no you want to get married let's go not like you and me but you and somebody else (laughs) we can get married too i don't care all right fuck it i mean we've been together long enough i mean as well we've talked about this if it would have had benefits and tax reasons (laughs) if if i get single again i will 100 marry you just Just for for tax yeah done fuck big brother they make enough money as it is but no uh (laughs) I uh, I always do a custom ceremony that's based around the actual couple themselves, so it's not your, we've all gathered here today, your routine standard ceremony. It's all custom, off the whim. I spend days prepping it, and uh, it, no, man, it was a great time. We had family from all over the place and got to see, I, I call him new guy, and bless his heart, he has ran with it since day one. And the amount of times I've heard other people, his family call him new guy, it makes my heart so happy. Oh, that's oh, everyone's busting his balls. It's great. But well, it's uh, about time for Kara too. Oh, dude, she's been due. Oh my god, she's dated some fucking puds in the in the day, and I I I gotta give this dude props. He's legit, man. He's a good dude, you know. Mm -hmm. And good. He's asked me time and time again, "What's her crazy?" And I'm like, "I don't know, man. I just don't. I don't think there is any." And I wanted to tell him, "Like, well, I'll tell you after the wedding, so you can't run away, you bitch." But no, <laughs> but no, man. He's a uh, he's cool, man. And she's just a strong, independent, you know, female that doesn't need no man in her life. But obviously, she chose him to be in her life, and that's completely different. You know, it's always better when you choose somebody. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's one of the interesting things, right? We've known each other for the better part of 
13, 14 years, I guess now. I think we broke the 15 year barrier. 15 years. Damn, yeah. man. Time flies. Yeah. And I've only met your sister, what, three times? Yeah. Just a handful of times. It, just a handful. And she's always made a huge impression on me. Yeah. She's a good I, girl, man. Yeah. I like her a lot. And uh, good people. Yeah. You know? And then she does the design stuff too, which is always really cool. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that she found somebody. That, me too. You know, like she, she deserved it. And honestly, he did too. He went through some shit too. And. They just happened to land the same rock at the same time and made it work. Well, I think, you know, you, you touched on something that uh, was really impactful to me. When I went through my last divorce, I, I would define myself as codependent. Yeah. And I was very codependent. And when I first came out, it was like, I just wanted to be with somebody. I didn't want to be alone. Right. And, you know, I didn't want to necessarily be in another relationship, but I didn't like sleeping alone. I wanted somebody to hang out with all the time, friendship, whatever. Right. And then what I realized is that there was a lot of self-discovery that had to happen. You know, I, I thankfully, you know, I went into a couple of different relationships that ended poorly. Yeah. You're, you're aware of oh, it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. oh, it was so bad. <laughs> so bad. Shit show. I would, I would love to shit all over some people right now, but I won't. Nah. No, I'll be nice. Um, but anyway, what it made me realize was, is that in as opposed to putting up with that, I would rather be alone. Yeah. And then I came to terms with just being okay with being alone. It was like, you know... If this is the alternative, if this is what I'm going to be stuck with, I'm going to have to deal with this, then mm. I'll just take care of myself. I don't fucking need anybody. Right. And when I did that, it gave me a sense of independence that I had really never had before that point in relationships, which sounds terrible, I know. Um, I don't think it does. I think there's a lot of people out there that go through the same thing. Yeah. Not just you, man. You know, I always thought I just, I, I was always in long-term relationships from the time I was a kid. And then I had got my first marriage was like four and a half years. My second marriage was like over 15 years, 16 right. years, something like that. And uh, so I was always in these really long-term relationships. And they weren't always bad, except for my first marriage. Like, right. That, every yeah. single day of that marriage <laughs> was hell. Like, <laughs> even the wedding went bad. <laughs> like it, A lot that I heard about went bad. The, the best day of that marriage was, was the, end? the divorce. <laughs> divorce final. <laughs> that was the best day ever. <laughs> um, but uh, so... Yeah, I just I thought I just needed to be with somebody. Yeah. And it took me getting to a point to where I was so fucking miserable with people. And I was like, oh, and I'll tell you what, man, 40 and single, fuck you. That was the <laughs> worst experience. You know, I don't know. I learned a lot of lessons from that. Yeah. And, and I, the, the first lesson that I'm going to throw out there is a lot of people that are perpetually single at 40, there's a reason for that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it is them. I think it's, if it's not and, you, it's them. I think if me and Meg were to ever split up, I don't know how I would make the whole splitting up process as about as adult as I possibly could. I'd it'd be such a smooth transition from my point of view, but after her, I don't think I would date, man. I really don't. I think I would just live life. No, you've seen my shit show and you were right. like, nope. Yeah. You know, I think I would just help co-parent my kids and make sure they're square and then once they're done and of age, maybe I might dabble, but mm -hmm. I don't see myself jump back into the swimming pool very quick. No, that's, and that's, I've said that to Michelle a few times now. I said, you know, if we ever separated, I think I'm done. Like, you know, we are together, like what you said earlier, we're together because we want yeah, to you be. Cho you chose each other. We chose each other. And we also, we're not married for a very specific purpose right. because we want to choose each other. Right, you're not dependent on each other. No, at any point, if this relationship becomes non-mutually beneficial and it just turns into a shit show, we both have the ability to say, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And it, and it to me, 
it um it increases the accountability absolutely it puts you more like you know one of the things that um i came to a little bit early on in a relationship was effort mm -hmm. you know and uh she called me out quite not that long into our relationship together actually so kudos on her um but when we first got together you know i kind of like sweeped her off her feet and did all this wonderful stuff and, did the uh, same thing to me oh right well i know and you don't call anymore I know. prick bitch <laughs> um so what happened was though is you know I, I come in there and I'm kind of like a hopeless romantic, you know, so I put like all the fucking, I pull out all the stops and, and I do everything that I can to be like the greatest guy ever. You shot you your know? load. Oh yeah. It's like, you know, I tried to sweep her off her feet and do all this shit. And then, and then you know, a year later, you can't keep up that, that, that level of attention. That's, that, a, that's you, a heavy pace. Life gets in the way. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then it's like, and then you over promise and under deliver. And that's, then back, it, that's backwards. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, and it was like, Okay reassess and then it was like no effort you you this is a love is a daily effort you got to put effort into your relationship every single day yep. and you don't just do things because you have to but it's not 50 50 it's 100 100 all the time yeah yeah i think people get that all wrong you know so and, and there's no such thing as 50 50 i mean at least that's that's the way it works in our relationship and i know that everybody has different parameters and and i think whatever you accept is on you yeah. you know but yeah, I want as much equality in my relationship as I can get. Mm -hmm. And even then I realize that there's no such thing as equality. Yeah. There's going to be times where she's going to be pulling the majority of the weight. There's going to be times where I pull the majority of the weight. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a back and a forth. We're going to help and support each other and kind of go back in that. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, it really is all about effort. Yeah. And then I also think that there's a, at least in our relationship, there's been a sense of like, um, selflessness where really the focus is on your partner yeah. like what do they need you know i wake up every day and one of the things that we adopted about like a year and a half two years ago was when i wake up in the morning i think to myself what is the one thing that i can do for michelle today what is the one thing that i can do for my kids today just one just one thing what is one thing that i can do today to add value to their life right they, whether it just be to show the way i love them or to to maybe be nice or, or whatever just one thing yeah and i try to do that every single day and there are days that that doesn't happen right because i'm human i mean everybody fails everyone's got those days everybody, everyone's got you know day. there are days that don't happen but that has added so much value to like my relationship and and, and relationship dynamic building mm -hmm. and uh that's one of the things uh, I'm actually kind of glad we're talking about this. This yeah. is one of those topics we really haven't got on too much. Uh -uh. But, um, you know, that one of the things that uh, I've realized is I've learned so much in the last three years of my life about relationship that I probably should have been taught when I was like 14. Yeah. You know, and, and it amazes me is how much of this, how much toxic behavior, how much inappropriate behavior is taught or normalized in society yeah especially when it comes to relationships mm -hmm. and we just have all these terrible standards for a lot of things it's that hallmark channel man oh man <laughs> well you know so here's exactly what it is here here's a topic i want to get onto, and i'm, I'm probably gonna i'm gonna like isolate like 90 percent of our audience right now great oh i know right hold on well, people yeah fuck them you know they don't like me that much anyway he's fucking lying we love you it's okay. <laughs> All right. Brace yourselves. It's going to hit hard. But uh, so I was been watching the Boardwalk Empire. 
right? And you know, I've always been one that's been kind of anti-masculinity, especially Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity. I've always had this problem with guys that let their women wait on them hand and foot or that expect women to cook and do their dishes and do their- The traditional marriage. Yeah, to do their laundry. And it's like, you know, especially me doing taxes. You wouldn't believe how many clients that I have where I will be asking a question to a man and his wife will answer- and he will just sit there with his hands folded. I don't know. I don't know when I started work. I, I, I don't know. I don't know my bank account information. I, I Ask her. And it's like, dude, you're a grown human being. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why do you have a mom? Like, this isn't... I, oh, I, anyway, you can tell. Oh, yeah. I get worked well, up. Well, so I'll, I'll have to put myself kind of into that one category. So me and Meg, we, all, we both know our role. And I don't mean that as in... She's traditional. You're the bitch. Yes, 100% bottom. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, like on the comes to the financial side, when she and I got together, I was never taught financials. I don't. I didn't know the importance of a credit score. I didn't understand how credit worked. So we went to get our first house loan, and they ran my credit, and they went, "Ooh," and I went, "Ooh, that can't be good." Uh oh. It was like 400 and something because I had no idea. (laughs) So needless to say, she handled. I mean, I'm in the 800s now. Now, granted, it's been 13, 14 years, but goddamn, without her, I'd be fucked. I didn't so, know it went that high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it went that low. <laughs> There's like you and then everyone else above you. But no, I, so when it comes to financials, I, I kind of take a step back. Honestly, I just make the fucking money. I right. make it. That's my... That's. That's my focus. That's my job. I'll make that shit, but you just put it where it needs to go. Well, there's nothing wrong with having roles. You know, what I think is what's wrong is when it becomes expected. Oh, you yeah, know? it's never and, expected. And and so I want to circle back to what I was talking about with Boardwalk Empire. I, I've always, I found out after watching Boardwalk Empire, there's a guy there and his name is Nucky. And he is the, have you seen the show? I have not. Anyway, so he's basically, let's just call him a crime boss for lack of particulars. He's a crime boss and he's very influential and he was a politician. And he had this servant who worked for him, which was his right hand man. Guy did everything all the way down to picking out his socks, right? And at one point in the series, this guy takes a bullet for him. Jesus. Right. And then after he takes a bullet for him, he was like, hey, I've been with you for like 11 years or something like that. And he's like, I've done all the way down to picking out your underwear. Like, I want a role in the organization. You know, I want something other than just being your servant. Right. And the way that he treated this guy after the fact was so terrible and then all the way down to the guy who finally comes home after after going through this tremendous ordeal. And uh, he comes home and uh, Nucky decides to berate the guy because he was in there eating a food that he had to prepare or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then he turned around and he pulled up his pants and he said, and this doesn't need to happen again. And he's wearing two different color socks. Jesus Christ. And I, and I thought to myself, like, as soon as I looked at that, I understood it from two different perspectives. I understood the social narrative. And then I also understood the like, how incompetent are you that if somebody hands you a pair of mixed match socks, can't go you, match them yourself. You can't go match them yourself <laughs> like a fucking adult. <laughs> and then I realized, but okay, so this is where this started. So if we go far enough back in history, and not obviously not too far back, but just recent history, 
then you will see that nobility, when they had servants and all of this stuff, in order to be a man, you know, men didn't drive themselves, right? They sat in the back of the car. They didn't put their coats on. People put their coats on. They didn't fix their clothes. People put their clothes on for them. People picked out their socks. And it was considered a very masculine thing to do to wear mixed mass socks because your servant made a mistake. And somehow that got translated from servants. And, and then when you watch this show, you will see everyone in this show, and if there's anything that has made me despise slavery more than anything, and, and I've always been somebody who's against slavery. That's a dust. Yeah. But social slavery, this, this show very specifically opened my eyes to how bad social slavery is. <laughs> Everyone in this show is a slave. And if you're a black person, you're the traditional slave, right? And then you're segregated. If you're a woman, you're a slave. You're not just a slave to, to your husband, but you're also a slave to society because you don't have the right to vote. You don't have the right to do anything. And, and you can't talk in public and you don't have a right to have an opinion. And it's laughable if you could be a politician. <laughs> and then if you're any other race, you know, whether it be Jew, Hispanic, you know, Chinese, whatever, non -cri non-Christian, every race is the racism is so bad. And, you know, it makes you see, realize like how far from this, this was only the 1920s, which is not honestly a hundred years ago, not that long ago. No, and not really. That's like two people. And when you look at the world today compared to what I'm watching, and I, even though this is a TV show, I'm sure it's a little over dramatized, but I actually would think that it's probably not, it might not be as it might, bad. It might be spot fucking on. It might be spot fucking on. And it, what it made me realize is everybody, if you worked for somebody, you were a slave. They treated workers like slaves. They treated women like slaves. They treated anybody of a different race like a slave. If you were a mob boss, your mob people were like slaves. If you were somebody of self of, of importance and you had servants, you treated your servants like fucking slaves. And slavery was just a theme. There, there was like this, this overwhelming thing about taking personal freedom and dignity and in in the the re removing the the dehumanizing i'm gonna steal boone's word there you go but dehumanizing everyone that you felt was beneath you and then now when i when i see that and i say oh i understand how this translated into the modern masculine role is when not only were men already in this kind of position at home to begin with because women were these home-owned slaves essentially but then they also tied that to their sense of importance. And so the men started behaving this way, not because they're incompetent, but because they felt that they were holding like a position of royalty, right? They were, they were now an esteemed person. So the reason why they didn't do this and the reason why they didn't do their laundry and the reason why they were too good to cook and the reason why they were too good to do these, like raise the kids is because they were, they had elevated themselves up. And at that time, a hundred years ago, when you were in an elevated position, you were too good for those things. I can't even fathom that. No, it's disgusting. It really is. No, and now when I see it, and I see it's 100 years later, and I still see people who are holding on to positions of this, it's like, I'm a guy. I don't do laundry. Like, who the fuck does your laundry then? Yeah. I do my fucking laundry. What the fuck's wrong with you? I have no problem folding my underwear. No. Like, <laughs> or, why or would matching you, my own socks. Why would you expect somebody to do that? Like, it's great. Like, if, if my It'd wife- It'd be cool if they did it, but it, you shouldn't expect it. You should never she, expect anything. If my wife does my laundry, I'm grateful. Right. I don't complain. Just like the majority of the time she cooks, but I know how to cook too. Yeah. I do the dishes, you know, we have chores and rules and separations and all these little things that go on. I have like zero tolerance. That's probably my biggest pet peeve in life is 
when I see men expect roles like that mm-hmm. and and i know that that may be kind of odd because i i don't know i because I, I know not all men are like that and i don't want to sell it like i think that all men are like that but it but the people who do own that oh i think it's fucking, very it is gets on my last nerve i think it's a very generational thing and it all comes down to if you wanted to break the cycle as an as an, an individual and how you're brought up because when i want me growing up Anything outside was my dad. Anything inside was my mom. But to me, that wasn't a partnership. That was a, a, I don't know how to even say it without being disrespectful, but like a domestic partnership. Yeah. You know, and and the way that me and my wife work together, it's not that same way. Well, you know, and again, and I want to go back and, and reiterate this, especially for the audience, because this is something that it is very clear. Look. If you have established rules and roles in, in your relationship and both parties are happy with that, who am I to tell right. you how to fucking be? Live your life and be Live happy. Live your life and be happy. Yep. But if somebody in that relationship is unhappy with that dynamic, then something's wrong. Right. Right? So, you know, really it just comes down to, it's like, you know, I say that all the time about the whole gold digger thing, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we known a couple of people over the years that were wealthy <laughs> and they were definitely in that situation, but it was, it was like the verbalized. Thou- a thousand yard stare. Oh my God. But they, they, they didn't hide it either. Yeah. I had all the respect in the world for life, you know, because it's like, look, that's what it is. And that's what it's going to be. He's okay with that. She's okay with that. Everybody knows. Fuck it. Who am I to judge? Like, do your thing, man. I mean, Meg's ex was that way. He was very controlling, and, and my dad was one of the first things that he noticed. Like, he saw her and him before we were even a thing. And dad was talking to him and her, and she would just kind of put her head down and not talk. But oh, when she got with me, I fucking broke that bitch out of her shell. I'm like, let's go. You know? So it, it was a completely change of character for her, and she has grown so much. I'm so proud of her. That. That's crazy to think because as, as long as I've known Megan, she has been such a strong-willed woman. She's very strong. Like she seems like the kind of girl that like cut your arm off for that shit. Hundred percent. Like, she, well, that that breakup really uh, set the pace for her. Right. And I think I I came to the very tail end of it, and dude, I I've pushed her so fucking hard, and the things that she's done, and the I'm gonna call it the short time frame. She's been she's done great, absolutely great, yeah. which. I benefit from, you know, so her growth is my growth. You know, it was what they say, uh, any water races all ships. It's the same concept. Well, you know, in this last, my old relationship, and and I was guilty of a lot of these things, so I don't want to sit there and sell it like I'm perfect. A a lot of this is things that I have learned. We all fuck up. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these things are things that I have learned over the years, too. You know, I I definitely grew up very chauvinist and all this other stuff, and and I've had to grow out of a lot of that. And, uh, or grow past it, maybe not grow out of it, right? And um, But one of the things that I've realized in the last couple of years is it's really challenged my view on gender, right? I've, I've kind of realized, that's why I, when we, we got with the podcast, it was like, let's be a good human. Right. I've really kind of moved past this whole man-woman thing. Right. I'm like, everybody is just human. Right. We all have feelings. We all have emotions. Of course, men cry. Individually be good. Do you think I feel anything any different than my wife? No. I'm a human, too. If somebody hits me with a hammer in the hand, I'm going to, like, it's going to hurt. And no different than it's going to hurt her. I'm going to say a lot of four-letter words. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, at the end of the day, being a man, other than the fact that I have a penis... There isn't really a whole lot of differences. I'm capable of all the stuff that she's capable of, and she's capable of 90% of the shit that I'm capable of doing. There are very few things 
other than just physical strength and and really honestly michelle challenges that because i watch her do shit all the time that i'm like for real she's fit as fuck man dude like seriously i've watched her move shit that i struggle moving you know we move furniture all the time like this massive fucking couch over there that there was a when we showed up to pick up this couch there was a guy there a husband and wife and the guy wanted to help me we had another time that happened with the chair that's in the garage um the guy wanted to help me and as he picked it up he started struggling for the first 15 20 feet she told him she goes put it down and he goes no 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 i got it he was just trying to be you know a guy be a man and then she grabs that motherfucker picks it up and walks out the fucking house with it like no big deal and then when we went to pick up that one chair i was walking and i guess i walked too fast and the guy dropped the chair on his end and she picked the chair up she bumped him out of the way and picked the chair up and took off with it. That a girl. You know? And I'm like, so at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of men out there that just because you're a man doesn't mean that you're stronger than a woman. Right. There are some women that are just flat out stronger than you. You don't get to put effort in. I've trained with some pretty bad bitches dude, in the day. You know, oh man, some of the women that I met in the military, fuck you, dude. I hit a drill sergeant. And uh, so that's one of the funniest stories. I've told that before, right? So, uh, I was in, a, when I went to basic training, I had a female drill sergeant and I was a combat engineer. So this was a men only MOS. There was not supposed to be women, but we had 12 Charlies that attended basic training with us. And in 12 Charlie MOS, they could have, um, they could have females in that MOS. So there was this small section on the other side of the, uh, the barracks, uh, that they were allowed to be in. And so we had this uh, woman drill sergeant. And anyway, I didn't react very well. You know, I grew up small town, Missouri, you know, old school dad, you know, and and I had some pretty closed minded values and all that other stuff going on. And uh, so one day um, she's on the other side of a wall and I didn't know it, you know, and I'm talking all kinds of shit to this guy. And I'm like, I can't believe we had this girl and then all this stuff. You she know. beat your fucking ass. Dude, didn't she? she come across that fucking wall. And she basically, she tore me a new ass. And then she told me at the end of it, she goes, I'm going to make you my bitch. Oh, shit. And she did. <laughs> it's nothing worse Dude. when when a female says it to you and she's staring in the eye and you know Dude, she's being we got serious. So what happened was is she gave me the squad leader band for the rest of basic training, which basically put me in the shittiest position possible, right? Because everybody's fuck up became mine. Right. And I was already a fuck up myself. So being like in the lead was not a good idea. I was not leading by example. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, let, let's have the worst guy of the group, like lead the rest of the guys of the group. This was not good. And uh, yeah, we go on like ruck marches. And uh, so when we, we were doing this ruck march one day and um, everybody would always said that the uh, drill sergeants always put like toilet papers and shit in their ruck because our rucks had to weigh a minimum of 40 pounds, mm -hmm. you know? And so um, they always say the, the uh, drill sergeants would put like toilet paper and all this shit in there. And well, I, and I was terrible at ruck marching. I, you know, I've got like a 29 inch inseam, so I can't walk for shit. And so everybody's always fucking speed walking. And so I was dying, you know, I'm damn near falling out. So she's back there at the end of this uh, ruck march, just yelling and screaming at me and everything. And so I finally got ballsy and got lippy with her. And I was, like well you know it must be easy when you're carrying fucking toilet paper you know so she stopped me smokes the shit out of me throws my pack on the ground throws her pack in the ground she's like if you think that's right private we need to just fucking switch i put her ruck on i shit you not that thing was 20 pounds heavier than oh me. shit <laughs> worst, shouldn't have been talking shit bro worst decision of my life and uh dude she she single-handedly changed who i was as a person throughout my basic training experience and 
I owe that woman so much. The respect. It, it, when it came time to do push-ups, she could do more push-ups than me. She could do more sit-ups than me. She could run faster than me. She could outruck me. Do, Everything do you, she did was better than me. Do you remember her full name? I do not. All I know is she was a badass, and I was scared to death of her. <laughs> like this, this, she was this little black girl too. She was probably five foot two, five foot three. Couldn't weigh more than one hundred and ten pounds. Dude, I guarantee you, she'd whip my ass probably today. So if you're five foot two, five foot three, hundred pounds, black a black girl in the army, we want you to come on the show. Oh my god! I want to hear these dude. stories of you just beating my friend's ass. Dude, I went up to her at the end of basic, and uh, I thought I'd make good with her, you know. And so I go up to her at the end of basic, and uh, at the end of AIT, because we did OSEP, one unit station training. So right. I, all my AIT and my basic was all combined. And so I go up to her at graduation. And, you know, I'm all proud of myself because I graduated and, you know, it's all, it's a pretty emotional day. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go find drill sergeant and tell her how much, you know, she did for me and all this stuff. And so I, I hunt her down after the formation and everything. And she stops, turns around looks at me, doesn't shake my hand, just looks me straight in the eye. She goes, private, you're still a piece of shit. Jesus. She fucking hated me. I deserved every bit of that, brother. Dude, I was not. I, I've, I've said that on the podcast before about my military career. Yeah. Not good. I was not a good soldier. Right. <laughs> like, I was in the Army. We can stop there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I earned that. Like, I made it. I did my time. I got out. Well done. Uh, but, yeah, she was a fucking beast, man. But she really gave me the foundation for the respect that I needed to get out of that that mode right right to realize that you know women can pretty much do anything they fucking they want to do whatever the fuck dude, they want there are women out there that will beat your fucking ass we know that from the martial arts man barb on check shout out to you oh my god when we were up there we were at steve burger's gym yep. remember we went up there to see richie yep and uh so we go up there to to steve burger's gym and there's a uh, girl that trained there her name was barb honkock she beat my ass dude she was a fighter and she was a beast the fucking savage and uh so me and Richie start rolling. And at that time, I, I wasn't really great. I'd had about, what, like a year and a half of jujitsu at that time? Uh, MMA, grappling, not really jujitsu. I mean, you had, I would say you had close to two to three. Yeah, okay, it had been a minute. But she was already like a like a brown belt? No, I think Steve was a brown belt. She's at least a purple She was belt. ranked dude, like the top was, 20 dude, in the nation. Oh. So. And so me and Richie go, and we're rolling, and it's heated. And I mean, I'm damn near tapping him. He's damn near tapping me. And like we're going back and forth, and we roll two rounds together, and we just get after it. And I was just like, damn, you got so much better. Like, respect to Steve Berger, right? Right. And uh, then the round broke, and then she comes over, and she smacks his hand, and I was like, well, I'm going to go sit down on the wall. I needed a break anyway. And uh, about 10, 15 seconds into the roll, he tapped. Yep. And I thought, oh, look at him. He's being nice, you know? No. And then about 10 seconds later, he tapped again. And then 20 seconds later, he tapped again. And then finally, his face is red, and he's so fucking mad. And she's just tapping him at will over and over and over and over. And he's just dying, you know? And I'm like, oh, my God. And so the, the round ends, and she turns around and looks at me and reaches out her hand. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I was like, I I know the ass beating I'm getting ready to get. Don't need to get that in person. No, we'll she, just take the mental note on that. Thank you very much, dude. She and I sparred, and <laughs> I came in. I was gonna come in light, just a uh, you know a one two, nice and easy. She fucking lit me up. I'm like, all right, let's step it up a little bit. She lit me up again. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I'm like, I'm just gonna take her down. So I get an underhook. That's I don't know what happened, but somehow she landed in mount. I rolled over, gave her my back, hoping she would just choke me out. No, that oh, bitch started hammer fisting me. 
at, I'm, I'm, I'm covering, and I look over, and I can see Burger kind of just smiling, like he almost gets guilty pleasure out of it. And Richie's right there too, like, oh my god, and man, she fought at like one twenty five. Uh, well, you she, were walking and, and around, 100%. At, you were walking around two ten, two fifteen, two fifteen. Yeah, and, and I pull my <laughs> dude. The round got done, and she slapped me in the shoulder, and she goes, "Good job, you lasted more than most." I pulled my mouthpiece out. It was full of blood. I'm like, you fucking savage. <laughs> like, good for you. Yeah. Like, you're a badass bitch. I don't ever want to spar you ever again. Yeah. You know, people are capable of so much more than they give themselves credit for. It's all mental, man. And, you know, when, but, the, you know, that brings me back to like those experiences like that and experiences like I've had in the last couple of years with the relationship has really made me realize that like gender doesn't matter. No, fuck no. You know, gender roles don't matter. It's like at the end of the day, you find the roles that you're good at. Why do I do the dishes? Because my wife hates doing fucking dishes. Yeah. And I just so happen to do dishes, you know? So why do we split laundry? Because nobody wants to do everyone's laundry. No. End of story, right? You know, there's just some things. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or, or whatever the case may be. It if, just sucks. If we're not available, she'll go mow the grass. Yep. You know, it, and most of the time, we'll have the kids do it because neither her or I want to do it. So that becomes slave job. Yeah. The kids go mow grass. See, ours, we got a nice zero turn. Yeah. And our yard's large. Now, so it's like I, a mental I'm all about treating the kids like subpar humans. Oh, no. Our, like, our they're, ki- they're, they're going to be workers. <laughs> yeah. Well, my <laughs> girls. your rent people. My girls are nine and 11, <laughs> and they have their chores. Like they do their own laundry. I, when I'm folding laundry or my wife's holding, it goes into a separate basket. Mm-hmm. And then they do uh, the cat box and they'll do uh, the dishes. Or, you know, it's you, you have very minimal responsibility. So I'm going to give you this just so that you can get that, that train rolling because getting a free ride doesn't exist in this world, especially in America. Well, it shouldn't. Well, it shouldn't. It doesn't exist anywhere, man. Yeah. You know, that, that's the one thing. And that, and that, if there's anything that's really a truth, survival is hard. Yeah. And as I've been going so, you know, we have this ayahuasca trip coming up next super, week. Super sad I can't make it. Oh, dude, I'm so pumped, right? And probably equally as scared because I know I would be. But part of doing so, I finally get to go on an ayahuasca retreat. And I'm so fucking pumped for it. So we're going down south. We're doing the whole big thing. It's three days. It got a shaman, the whole fucking thing, right? It's a ceremony. It's a full-on ceremony. Like, I'm going to go meet God. I'm pumped. Actually, I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea what the fuck. I'm t- so terrified. You're going to find out so, the earth is flat. I am so fucking scared. <laughs> so I, I'm somewhere between level 10 excited and level 10 terrified. Yep. And the only thing that I know going into this is I'm so used to performing while terrified that I know I'm going to do it, you know, because like that's the one thing that war and fighting has given me that I know that I can be so scared. I want to shit myself and I can still do things. Yeah. So I know I'm going to go do it, but every part of me is so terrified. I just want to opt out. But I'm also so excited that I just cannot wait to have this experience because I've wanted it for so long. Yeah. And uh, but as in order to do this, what I didn't know is you have to do this dieta. So because ayahuasca is such a powerful drug, it can interact with all of these different chemicals or substances that we take every day, right? Like nicotine, like cannabis and and alcohol and caffeine and, you know, all the way down to like, and and there's different levels of dieta. So everybody, every shaman has its like own version. Some of it can be a little dogmatic. I'm not sure where I'm at, but being my first time, I'm just following the rules, right? I'm not fucking around. And uh, so three weeks ago I quit, nicotine the first week which so i stopped smoking cigarettes after i smoking about a pack and a half a day quit smoking like cold turkey just done it's like i got this you know that's the one the one thing that i will say 
the positive that has come from fasting is it's given me the mental fortitude to be able to do just about anything I want to do, mm-hmm. right? When you can quit food, when you can just say, I'm not going to eat for 21 days, you can pretty much stop anything. Right. Me- mentally, you have that fortitude. Right. And so I just dropped smoking overnight. I was just like, fuck it, done. What I didn't expect is to go through depression for like a fucking week. And apparently a side effect of, of, of quitting nicotine can be severe depression. And it was so odd because my mental state and my mental space was good. Like I didn't feel any reason to be depressed. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it was really kind of neat because as my body was going through this, I felt depressed. I was tired. I didn't want to get out of bed. I was lethargic. All of my thoughts were increasingly negative. I I just started spiraling. Like you, all of the the, the typical. It's all, withdraw- it's all withdrawals. All the typical depression things. But what was cool is all of these techniques that I've developed over the years, like the the counteracting my internal voice, right? Like debating with myself. It's like here I am. I'm having like this whole day long debate. And it's like, no, motherfucker, I know what you're doing, and I know how to stop this. What didn't necessarily win right away, but I never lost. You know what I mean? And so it's like it put me into this space to where I just kind of realized, like, boom. But as I went through that, and then the next week, and then I quit alcohol that week too, which is pretty much not a big deal for me because I don't drink that much. And then the next week, I decided I was going to quit the nicotine, or not the nicotine, the cannabis, and then I was going to quit the caffeine. Now... Stupid me. I did not realize how addicted to caffeine I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was drinking like three pots of coffee a day. And I do not know why. I was, I'm always very cautious when I drink monsters. I don't go over the three monsters a day. I try not to go over 500 milligrams of caffeine. And for whatever reason, I had had it in my head that a cup of coffee was only like 30 or 35 uh, milligrams of caffeine. I didn't realize that I was taking in like 3,000 milligrams of caffeine a day. So which one was, what What was the hardest withdrawal? Caffeine. Nicotine or caffeine? Caffeine. Yeah. Caffeine killed me. Um, so what happens with caffeine, and this was just what I researched on Google. I'm not a doctor. So anybody out there in the audience, don't judge me if I'm wrong. But based on what I found out on the internet was caffeine restricts your blood cell, your blood flow, right? And so it restricts your, your cells and it causes dilation and everything. So when you quit caffeine, everything opens up and you start getting this rush of blood. So what happened to me is everything from my lower back, from my tailbone down, I started feeling uncomfortable for a few days and I thought maybe I'd slept wrong because again, I was going through like this depression and I was just sleeping a lot. And and that's one of the things I really learned with depression is the, the one thing that makes me completely incapable of dealing with depression is being tired. I cannot defend myself if I'm tired. The more tired I am, the more prone to depression I am. So one of the things that I've learned to really to combat that is just fucking sleep. Like if I'm going through a real episode, I'll just take a couple of days off work. It's it's better just to take the vacation time and just get over it and give myself enough energy to fight because that's what you're doing. You're fighting, right. right? And you have to have the energy to fight. And so I just slept. And then I thought, well, maybe I just slept too much. I'm starting to get like some sciatic pain and stuff like that. And it wasn't too bad. And then like right around like day two, day three, my legs just lit on fire. Like 
everything from my lower body all the way down to my toes. The only thing that I can explain to you, you know, when you do like a hamstring stretch and you get to the end of that stretch at the most painful part where you have like that tendon ache. Yeah. Now just imagine your sciatic lights up, your lower back has got that, your hamstrings have that, your calves are nearly Charlie horsing and your arches, your feet are doing the same thing and it won't stop. Sounds like a great orgasm. Dude. I wish <laughs> at, at one point, and, and I don't care who out there thinks I'm a bitch. At one point I was literally laying in the bed once and then on the ground once in so much pain. All I could do is just squirm around. I could not get comfortable. I hurt so fucking bad. That's crazy. And when I realized that, you know, cause I quit cannabis the same week, not a one withdrawal at all. And so what I realized coming out of this is I was addicted to two things. Cannabis is very much a medicinal thing for me. I use it as a medicine. And yes, do I use it recreationally from time to time? Sure, because it's fun. Why not? I, what's wrong with being high? But I'm not addicted to cannabis. I was able to I was able to put down the joint. I was able to put the weed up. In fact, the whole tray of weed that I normally keep out was on my dresser the entire time. In fact, I just put it up this morning. I just took it off the nightstand and put it back inside the box and put everything up because it's going to be another two weeks before I smoke anyway. And so I was like, yeah, no sense of leaving that out there, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, But never once was I tempted to reach for that. Never once was I thinking like, oh my God, I got to go get high. Yes, not on the radar. Not even on the radar. Dude, the caffeine though, holy shit. Holy shit. And the nicotine, like... If I wouldn't have had the defenses that I had, especially considering the last time that I went through a major depression, I had finally got to the point where I was suicidal. And, you know, once you build that mental pathway, then you get that like highway going. The depression that I went through the week after quitting nicotine was bad enough that if I wouldn't have had those defenses in place, I'm very positive I would have taken my own life. Like it was terrible. And once I realized that, I was like, no, that was a redictions. I'm not going back to either one after I come back. Yeah. I'm going to stay with the cannabis and that's fine, but I'm not going to go back to caffeine. I've already talked to her. We switched this dandy blend. And then uh, I noticed the decaffeinated coffee still has caffeine in it. Imagine that, right? Crazy. Yeah. It's like four or five milligrams per cup. So like. That shouldn't a, be that extreme though. Well, a pot of, a pot of decaffeinated coffee has like 50 grams of uh, milligrams of caffeine in it. And how much does regular coffee have in a, a pot? A lot. I think it's like 95 milligrams a cup and then there's Jesus. 12 and there's 12 cups. Oh yeah, I was drinking three pots a day, dude. Do the math on that. 1200 milligrams per pot essentially. It sounds so healthy for a guy who's a health nut. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. I wasn't even I really thought I was just being healthy. Like this is just one of those oversights. Shame on me. Well, you I, you, I saw, you saw the problem, you knew the problem, now you got it fixed. Now I got it fixed and again credit to fasting fasting gave me the mental fortitude to go through that at any other point in my life i'd have fucking quit there ain't no way dude i would have grabbed a monster and just said nope off this train <laughs> <laughs> not playing that game fuck you man well, jesus christ well the 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 ayahuasca journey that or ceremony you're getting ready to do i think it's the right way you know to, to go in a clean open-minded we actually did the. I want to talk about the Hoppe experience. Or oh the yeah, ceremony. we did the Hoppe. So for for let me set the precedence on myself: never smoking weed, never having a psychedelic, never doing anything. I'm a pretty straight laced guy, and I've taken some gummies for sleep. That's the extent of my <laughs> psychological experience. 
And yeah, um, the first time you smoked anything was a I, cigar, and that was at Santino's like two weeks ago. Yeah, like it. It was very recent. So and you didn't even inhale. And I rode the fucking lightning for the hopping experience, but dude, I couldn't. You know, the gentleman that 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 did the ceremony, that dude changed my fucking life. Oh, legit. Re- real talk. Yeah, and he said that this is just dipping your toes in ayahuasca, mm-hmm. and the amount of self growth I've had on the mental side just from that forty minutes of being in my <laughs> medically induced la la land. I don't even know how to explain it, but it it it's beyond impactful. Yeah. So for the audience out there that has no idea what hape is, let me let me give you some background story. So. Um, Apparently, there are different levels of ceremonial psychedelics. Uh, Ayahuasca is the most extreme level. This is that DMT ride. But there are lower level experiences that you can go through, Hape being one of them. And then I forgot the... Do you remember the name of the other stuff? No, I'm thinking about it now. I can't yeah, think of I can't it. remember it either. There was there was another uh, there was another drug that was in there with the hape um, that that was part of it. It was a mix that we did, um, but we were told that we should probably experience this first to kind of prep the way to give us a little bit of experience before going down the whole ayahuasca rabbit hole. Yeah, and I was like, okay, this sounds like a really good thing, and then I was introduced to the ceremonial use of the psychedelics for the purposes of meditation. And that's what we did. We did a meditation ceremony with psychedelics. And, uh, man, you went zero to a hundred real quick. Dude. I, you know, here we are at the beginning of the ceremony and, uh, the stage one, get as high as you can possibly get. (laughs) He literally asked us on a scale of one to 10, how high are you right now versus any other time? And I'm like, Ooh, pick me. Cause I know I'm going to 10 because of the first time I'm ever being high. Dude, you were so (laughs) fucking lit. And I was and and I know you had to be, I'm a hell of a smoker. And my tolerance is up there. Like I will smoke most people under the table anymore. And, uh, and you've seen that, like when the professor was here, he's a regular smoker and he didn't fuck with me. Like, you know, and, uh, so I'm like, okay, you know, I was high. I had smoked to almost my limit. Like I was really touching it. And then I realized that you were going one for one with me. And I was like, this dude's going to die. I remember we were, <laughs> we were passing the, the two joints around. And you didn't even know you had one in your hand. And I had, still. I had two in my hand. I'm like, fuck now. What? <laughs> like, I was like, and I like, and I know we were trying to be serious, you know, and there's, dude, it was so giggly. Dude, I was, was, so I was funny. fighting my, uh, my fascistness so hard. I'm like, Oh, that's what she said. Or, you know, just the dude, dumb shit. And I'm, I was laughing my ass oh. off at you. You had one in one hand and one in the other. And you kept looking right. <laughs> and then you would look left. Then you'd look at me. And then you'd look right, and then you'd look left, and I was like, "You gonna hand me one of those, bro?" And you were like, "Huh? Oh!" <laughs> I was like, "Dude, you're so fucking stoned." Yes. Oh, I was gone. And, and that I was, was in gig- giggly land. Yeah. So the, so we get to the end of this getting high portion, and then we uh we go down this, and then we, then we started the meditation, which that guided meditation that was legit. Holy shit! So let me let me give you the very quick the meditation that he gave us is that he had you imagining a well at the south and the well is overflowing. You turn around, there's a ball of flyer. Then you turn back around, you see the wells overflowing so much and now you're swimming. You look to your right, there's land. So you're going to walk to the land, you go through the sand. You're going to walk through the sand, you're going to see a, a, a tree line. 
He walked us through a tree line, a field, a mountain, another tree line, another field, another tree line. And he was very descriptive on every single step. And then we got to this field and he saw you see a child on the other side. So you're going to walk to the child and meet him in the middle. But what we don't realize is that child is you. And he didn't give any more direction other than now you turn around and gave you direction to walk back towards the well. Yeah. And then we, you know, we talked about that. And that was... Dude, I just got chills. Dude, it was so crazy. And yeah. I, I saw two two versions of myself. I mm. saw a two or three-year-old child that was just happy. And there was an older version that was sad. And I didn't know why. And we talked about the, the younger version. And then we started the ceremony. And this... This medicine, you literally, it's, I don't even know how to explain it, like two tree limbs with a hole in the middle of them where you can blow through. Like, yeah. how do you describe I, that? When when he when he explained that it was a version of nicotine, like a really, really high potent nicotine, I thought we were smoking. Yeah. No one, nowhere in my mind did I envision this whole like... Up the nose, here we go. Yeah, so the the the, the apparatus was a, it's like a letter V, but one of the ends was longer than the other. And he loads the medicine inside of this, I'm going to call it a tree limb, because that's what it looked like to me. It really did, yeah. And then you blow in it. You I blow, forgot the name, too. Yeah, you literally blow it into your nose. And you do it on the left side first, then you have to do it again on the right side. And he said, when I do it on the left side, you're going to be riding the lightning, which I had no idea what the fuck that meant. He said, I'm going to reload you, and you got to do it in your right nose. And he said, the left represents death, the right represents life. So I'm like, all right, fuck it, let's do it. Whew, ride the lightning was fucking right, bro. That was like acid in my forehead. Yeah. But my God, I just, I can't even imagine. I'm still blown away by the whole experience. That situation was so therapeutic for me. Yeah. And I'm really glad. And I do think that... um, that started a pathway that I'm kind of working down. You know, they say with the ayahuasca ceremony that the medicine starts working, you know, because they believe that there's a lot of spiritual stuff that goes into this. And, and you know, and I don't want to get too far down the road on that, especially for the audience. You know, I, I get stuck sometimes in between the the science and the spiritual. Yeah. But then again, I also realize that we are both, right? We are both material and spiritual. Absolutely. So I, I know that, that there you can't take one without the other. And... um. I noticed that in that hoppe ceremony that we did, one, that was a legitimate therapeutic technique. Yeah. I dealt with some serious stuff in that ceremony, and I was able to process things that I haven't been able to process in a long time. <laughs> and it also- You ain't fucking kidding. It also opened my mind, my eyes to some problems that I, that I still have that I wasn't aware of. And one of the things that-, that <sighs> And I guess I can just tell my story. I don't think there's anything wrong with telling your story no. or, or what you experienced. I want to. Sh- I'm going to share mine regardless. Cause I think people but need to hear it because they'll understand how beneficial it could be to them. When when I got into the peak of whatever it is, I don't want to say that I was hallucinating. I don't know what I was doing. I, I it was it was it's really too hard to describe. You're in a deep meditation state. So the reason why he did the self guided meditation because he wanted you to be in that that realm. Yeah. And when we were done, he even said. When you are at the peak of your meditation and you can visually see everything going on, that's where you need to be. Yeah. Well, the best way I can describe it, too, yeah, you reminded me. There, there's that meditation I do, and I got that from uh, this uh, Aubrey Marcus 
did this meditation with a Ziva meditation. Yeah. And um, in this meditation, it's do do less, right? So you you it's called it's an introspective or internal view. And so he's like, what you do is you you get into this meditative state, and then when you're when you think that you've done as little as you can do, then you do less, and then you do even less. And then you do even less until you sink so far deep into yourself that you're only dealing with your spirit self. Yep. And you're fighting your ego too. When when I do that meditation, and I usually do that meditation, I actually learned that that's a beautiful meditation to put myself to sleep at night. And so that's usually the meditation that I do to go to sleep. It's do less, do less, do less until eventually I'm doing so less that I'm asleep. And, uh, but there are points in that meditative process to where I almost become disconnected. Like you kind of forget for just a brief moment yeah. that you're still existing. Like you're still in your body. Like you're so into that meditative state that you're just meditating. But it only lasts for a split second. Yeah. But the hape was essentially what? an hour, two hours yeah. of that. Right. You were in that space completely there. And you were just stuck there. Yeah. And there was, and you were able to like look around and it's like, you know, when you get into these meditative states on your own, naturally, you're only there for a brief moment. So you really don't have time to like look around and explore and see what's going on. Right. The, the, the ceremony gave me the ability to be able to like stop and look around for a minute. It's like, I got to explore the room and like see what was going on. And like actually kind of like look at, oh, look at this shit on the shelf. Yeah, I forgot I had that there. Right. You know, and I was able to kind of like go look at things. But the the key, the core thing for me was fear. And, and all I remember is this voice told me, stop being afraid. And I, I couldn't figure that out. Like it was like afraid. What am I afraid of? Like, you know, I don't, fear isn't something I associate with myself. And so I was just like afraid. What? what am I afraid of? Like, okay, this seems like the, the oddest message that I could ever get. And then the week that I went through the depression, hmm, try not to get emotional, man. Damn. Some Stop of these it, things man. get, man, some of these things get you. Um, but the week that I went through the depression, I realized, dude, I'm scared of everything. Dude, I am so scared. I'm scared of failure. I'm, I'm scared of not living up to expectations. I'm scared of imposter syndrome, right? I, uh, I, 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 there's so many things. Conflict. Like, you name it. There are so many things in my life that drive me by fear. I'm afraid of everything. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize that. I feel like I'm so confident and I'm so fearless. But it's not the case at all. In fact, I'm driven by fear. And then I realize that the fear is the reason why I can be aggressive. Because when I feel threatened, I overcome the fear with aggression. And I was like, oh, that's just peacocking. It's so crazy how the light comes through. He even said that he's had shit that he's gone through on his very first ceremony. And he's still figuring shit out. Mm -hmm. my, my stuff was obviously the complete opposite. It 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 was instant, instantaneously I knew what it was doing. You know, I didn't have the, oh, the aha moment days or weeks later. It was instant. I knew what was going on, you know. And growing up, um, my first grandfather died when I was nine. Heavy smoker, alcoholic, but I was his buddy. He was part of like the VFW, uh, the KC Hall, all those places, every bar in St. Jen. 
I've been to when I was a little kid, pissing shit in Vanguard, you know, five, six years old. I get quarters from all the, the old people and I play the video games. I even played the video game in the bathroom one time. I got this big ass long balloon. I loved that thing. My dad took it from me. I was so pissed. I put my hot wheel in it. I was stern. It was a condom. Oh Lord. <laughs> but he was like, he was my buddy. You know, I always went with him to all these bars. I knew all these people. And he died from that. So I saw that. Didn't realize that was the first thing that I suppressed was that grieving. Had no idea. Fast forward to my early 30s. My next grandfather passes away. Hero number two. I know he was my guy. He lived in Pennsylvania. We'd go to the farm deer hunting. I hunted with him. Like we were in the same stand. When he died, dude, I was fucking wrecked. I, uh, I text Meg. She uh, called my buddy Jason. He met me at my truck as I was on a, uh, a ride share for work. And he just, like, in the truck. He knew it. I was fucking a wreck. A year later, my grandma dies. So, being the, the person I am, I suppressed it. And before this Hoppe experience, I couldn't talk to you like I am right now. I'd be, I'd shut up or I'd start to cry. So, in this Hoppe experience... I remember one of the guys saying that you're going to fight your your ego. Whatever that ego is, you'll know it when you figure it out. So we're laying here. You know, I'm on my back. Lights are out. Scene opens up, or what I visualize is a medieval castle with the greenest of green grass, like a carpet. And on the right-hand side was rolling hills. My wife is walking away from me with her hand out guiding me. She's wearing a white linen dress with a, like a Viking hairdo like a ponytail like in a viking i don't even know how to explain like medieval hairdo it's ironic i know right it was really setting the scene and i remember being like just at peace it was such a weird feeling and i remember being happy and then all of a sudden my my two girls are jumping around dancing and smiling and i'm like oh it's so beautiful being conscious of my my surroundings and that experience and also being conscious of my physical state i can feel myself fighting the smile because I wanted to be relaxed. That was the biggest thing. Stay relaxed. That was my ego. Because as soon as I started to smile, I had a, I purged. I started crying. And it wasn't like a boo-hoo. It was just like waterworks, man. Someone turned a valve on and here it came. So I started smiling. I started purging. And fucking boom. Scene changed. I'm at my farm in Pennsylvania. So we have a new cabin. We used to have a trailer. But now we have a cabin. Very nice cabin. And there's a certain spot in our farm where it's going down the valley and my grandpa was leading me in his hunting clothes, smiling ear to ear, leading me up to the valley towards our deer. So now we used to hunt at my grandpa, my, my, the one that recently just passed. The music we were listening to had lyrics and it said, don't be afraid of the spirit. Let them guide you through the woods. Like what the fuck, man? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I'm like, holy shit. Dun, dun, dun. Oh right. yeah. I forgot about the music. Right. So I'm walking through the valley and then boom, scene changed. Now it's my grandma. We're back at the cabin, which they've never seen the cabin. They were gone long before we had the cabin. She was a fisherman. She loved to fish. I remember walking around the lake and she was just so happy. She was so bright. So just, just beaming with pure happiness. And I was smiling. I was crying like crazy. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. But there's no like verbalization. There's no communication. It's all body language and... I'm going to call it spiritual experience. I, I don't know. You just know and you're, you know, right. you just feel it. And then fucking boom, scene changed again. It was my first grandfather. And I'm in my nine year old state 
sad. The same state that I saw myself in the field on the self or the guided fucking meditation. What's the fucking odds of that shit? And I bawled my eyes out. Like that's where I mentally like, oh my fucking God. That was the first time I've grieved my grandfather was laying here on your floor. So dealing with that, and I can like remember hugging him, seeing him, and he was just happy. He wasn't sad. He wasn't sick. He wasn't nothing. And then boom, scene changed again. Now all three of my grandparents are holding hands in a circle. And me and my wife are dancing, slow dancing, in between them all. And I remember just being like, this is amazing. This is the best thing in my life. Boom, scene changed. That circle got bigger by two people, my two little girls. Scene, it was the same thing. So fucking happy. And boom, scene changed again. Now there's a little boy. My wife's pregnant right now. We're due in a month. Am I going to have a son? Regardless of the fact, I was so happy of all the presence. It's like getting a chance to, to purge that grief. Dude, it was the gentleman who did the ceremony. I owe him more than he could ever imagine because it was so impactful. And that, that experience right there makes me infuriated that the ayahuascan stuff is illegal because yeah. it because it has such positive benefits that impact so hard i cannot wait for you to go through it oh dude i am so pumped you know you know but unfortunately what's happened is is a lot of these medicines when they're recreationalized you know and and like when i started down this this path of wanting to learn more about the psychedelic treatments one of the things that i was really surprised about was is i got kind of chastised for the microdosing and the recreational use of shrooms because it was like no that does not you were so lucky that you didn't have any bad experiences yeah. this this is a medicine that needs to be respected this is a medicine that has very specific ceremonies to go with it there's a certain way to do this medicine and i was berated a little bit about my recreational use and doing this on my own and and seeing the way he treated the even just the space that we were oh, in completely it, different experience it, it may it makes sense to me after doing what we did and realizing that what we did wasn't as powerful as shrooms and to realize how recklessly I have treated shrooms, I will not make that mistake again. I have a whole different respect, and it makes me want to do a ceremony like that, but using the psilocybin and understanding the different modalities and the different medicines and what they're actually supposed to be used for, because that's the thing. And then I think, um, you know, uh, in our last podcast with uh, with Will, I think he had even mentioned that, that, you know, for thousands of years, people have been using these medicines mm -hmm. and they had figured out what they were being used for and they had developed ways to do it. They developed ways to uh, make it, you know, not, I'm not going to use the word safe, but they developed a very purposeful use for how they were doing these medicines and they had respected the use of it and then they used it for certain treatments and whatever they had. But this was something that they understood well. And we kind of mucked that up. Yeah. And the fact that we're nowadays, we're like, oh, well, we need to do this research. We need to do that. We need to do this. It's like, look, they've already studied this. We have cultures that have studied this for thousands of years. Yeah, it's been around for longer than they had what paper. What the fuck are we going to add doing three years of research? Right. Like, exactly what are we adding to this? How much can you strip this down into one point are you going to get to that this is, you're going to make this better? Yeah. Like it, at some point, you just have to realize that maybe the way that people have been doing it for thousands of years is probably a pretty refined fucking science, and maybe we should just start there. Yeah. And 
I think that when you get into the recreational use of these different drugs, then you can start to understand, like even cannabis, and I've said that on the podcast, cannabis will change your brain. It And it has been proven to change your DNA, right? The, that science is not wrong. If you are a depressed person, if you're using cannabis as a way to escape, like a, like a coping mechanism, and you're not using it in therapy, and you're not using it as a medicinally for any other purpose, it's going to make things worse. You're going to get more depressed. You're going to do a lot of bad things, and bad things are going to come from it. It is a very dangerous substance. It is not something that should just be tossed around and used without respect. Right. So you have to be aware that these substances are bad. That's why I, I'm not a big proponent of just casual use of everything. It's like, no, you need to have reasons why. Yeah. But, you know, like even from my experience of doing this dieta, coming off the caffeine, coming off the nicotine, it amazes me the shit that is legal. Like caffeine is a legal fucking drug. Mm -hmm. Nicotine is legal. Sugar is legal. You know, these are the worst things that I've ever quit in my life. And every store and gas station has all And of we them. have normalized that. Yeah. But we've handpicked, we've cherry-picked these other substances and said, oh, well, these are bad. Why? Because, well, they have a psychedelic effect or they have... It's they, all money, bro. Right. Alcohol is legal. Like, are you kidding me? Alcohol is one of the most destructive things I've ever done in my entire life. And I was a heavy drinker for years, especially being ex-military. And I stayed a heavy drinker until I started being a heavy cannabis user. And then when I got into cannabis, I quit drinking. I mean, I pretty much just put it down. Like, you know, every once in a while I have a drink if it's social. Mod everything in moderation. Yeah. But it's like there is no comparison to the impact on my life that alcohol had versus the impact on my life that cannabis has had. Cannabis has been nothing but positive. Alcohol was hardly ever a positive. There was always a point of diminishing return. Well, I think people treat alcohol differently than they do as marijuana because me, I'm a social drinker, so I'll like when we do the show, I'll have a bourbon. But I'm not a heavy drinker. I, I rarely drink. That's why I can't drink more than two or three because I start getting fucked up. If, but, you, if you can have a glass and you can put it down, I think it's okay. But when you're somebody who has to have a glass... And then that glass leads to another glass, and that glass leads to another glass, and that glass leads to another glass. Yeah. Then you have a problem. Well, you, you know, I mean, and, just going back to the bar where we bounced. I mean, everyone goes to the bar why to get fucked up. Oh, dude! But if people go to get high, they're not going to get well, fucked up. Well, I mean, they're getting fucked up. But when when I manner. went through my divorce, like you know, what was it? Three, four weeks after my divorce, and I think it was you that that called me out on it. I was drinking a fifth a day. Yeah, it wasn't me. Literally. A fifth of Basil Hayden's a day. Like, bro, you need to chill out. A day. Yeah. Yeah, every single day. 35 bucks at Walmart every single day. Yeah. You know? And that's ridiculous. I agree. And it would, there was no positive that came from that. There was no good that came from that. And then even when I pared that down, you know, sure, if maybe I only did that once or twice a week now, great. It's in moderation. Mm -hmm. It wasn't in moderation. Because it's still, once I started, I wouldn't stop. Yeah. You know, and then I would finish the fifth before I went to bed at night. I mean, look at me, sugar. <laughs> oh. Sugar and carbs, bro. That that shit runs me. Oh, yeah. And, and that, dude, quitting sugar. Well, I told you the experience I went through quitting sugar. Yeah. I, I had to do the uh, um, that every other day fast, which is that, uh, oh, man, it escapes me right now. What is it? Um, oh, shit, I forgot what they call that. Something reset. 
um, you're resetting your glucose sensitivity or something. I don't know. I may have fucked that up. We'll call it it's, a factor reset. Somebody out there in the audience will fact check me. I'm sure. Uh, I'll get the message later tonight. <laughs> somebody will be like, hey, you fucked that up. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> um, but uh, so anyway, I had to do that every other day fast. And then most people who are not resistant like I was for my years of sugar addiction, right? They can get away with a couple of weeks, right? I did three months took me three months and really honestly even longer i bet you it was closer to the six month mark before i got to the point that i had really finally reset my sensitivity to a normal level and then i wasn't so um i wasn't so reactive to taking in sugars but then my reaction was i just by that point i hated sugar so much i just didn't <laughs> it's like how much sugar do you take in none why because it's the devil you know and that really is it really is man sugar is the worst fucking thing man i i don't i cannot cannot get enough of that but yeah anyway so dude i am so pumped about the fucking ayahuasca that, i am i am excited to hear the stories when you come back and obviously oh. we'll we'll have those stories here because i think and just the the hoppy experience and how beneficial it was for me and for others to hear it, I think it would be beneficial for others to hear your experience and the positive that come from. Well, next week on the podcast we have Epen Thampy coming. Yeah, we do. And he is a lobbyist yep. for um, alternative research and methods, and he is a big one trying to get the push for psilocybin legalization in Missouri. Yep. And uh, I'm really interested to have this conversation with him because I'm sure his knowledge is just going to be it's going to blow us away way better than mine, right? Yep. And then I'm hoping he kind of gives me a little bit. I'm trying to go into this with as little expectation as possible, <laughs> other than I know. So here, I got to tell myself a little bit. So when I signed up for this retreat, and they were like, all right, we, we have this opportunity to go on this ayahuasca retreat. We're going down south. And I was like, okay, so this is legit. Like, we're going down south. This is a shaman, the whole fucking shebang, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm in. All right. So here's what's in my mind. It's one night. I mean, it's in my mind that I'm going to go down there because I, I watched Expedition Unknown. Remember, remember, the, Wrong. did you did you ever see the episode of Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates? No. So Josh Gates does this thing. He he had this little mini series called Discovering God or something like that, or like Finding God. And then one of the episodes, he goes down, he does an ayahuasca experience. I have the video still on my phone. I'll show you the video. I'll post it on Facebook for the people after we post the episode. And uh, so I have this video on my phone. And he is, he's a man who's just been through some shit, dude. He looked like he just came out of the jungles of fucking Nam. Like, he is like, I seen some shit, and I experienced some shit, and this is what I seen. And he goes, this is like the most life-changing thing of my life. I will never fucking do it again. And, and you gotta do that shit and three it, And he's staring at the camera, you know, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm gonna do that three I did not realize that. I thought it was a one and done. No, three nights, eight hours each each time. Three. three. Oh, dude, I'm so one. When when that hit me, the yellow streak went straight up my back. Yep. And I was like, "Oh no, we can't do this." And then I went, "Nope, you yes, have to." You are. And then I was like, "No, we can't." And then I was like, "Yes, you will." And then I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> no!" <laughs> so now I've got to figure out like. Well, they said night two was the hardest. They say night two is the hardest. They say night three is is actually not that bad because I guess you're basically like already been beat to shit by night three. Yeah. But like apparently you go through some serious shit night one and then night two is like you got to get the fucking gumption back up to go do it again. Yep. Which I imagine there's a lot of people that fucking don't do that. I'm sure there's quite a few people that tell. I bet you the turnover rate is, is high. Yeah. 
But that's the one good thing. See, I know myself. I've been tested. I've been battle tested. I know I'm going to walk in the fucking ring. I may not want to, but I'm going to do it. One step in front of the other. One step at a time. If you don't do it, I'm going to be so fucking mad at you. Dude, I, I'm in. I'll be straight up disappointed. There won't be. There, there's no world in which I don't. Because And unless I run into some situation where like there is a serious physical risk, yeah, which it, as long as there is no physical risk, I'm in. Like if it's just a matter of like all I have to do is overcome fear, I'm gonna I I'm well let's just face it like Michelle's gonna kick my ass like oh yeah she's gonna beat me into it hundred so, percent uh but uh yeah dude I'm but at the same time on the other side of all of that fear is all of this excitement because I'm I'm so excited to see how much of the world is going to open up for me yeah like how much of the world I'm gonna understand more than i do now how much of myself i'm gonna understand more than i do now so if we have you on the hook stay tuned motherfuckers because about to get real oh yeah yeah that's that what is that september 15th yeah it's coming yeah up. that's coming up next week i got one more week of dieta which is fucking terrible yeah this dieta diet is shit i had to get off carnivore for it oh oh yeah I know. i'd be really fucked. so everybody else that's doing this diet that we have this like little community group that we meet uh, once a week on. And so everybody else that's doing it, they're like, oh my God, we had to restrict our diet. And the, one guy's like, I get on the scale every day and I'm lighter than I was the day before. Fuck I'm having, you. I'm having, the, <laughs> I'm having exactly the opposite experience because all of the foods that are in the dieta are foods that are in my do not eat list. Oh shit. So what we had to do is basically scrap our whole diet and go back to a shit diet. Now it's a purposeful shit diet but I've been putting on weight. Like I lost visible abs at some like probably yesterday. I, I I lost my visible abs, and I'm like, oh man, this is a really hard thing for me. Now nah, you'll get back in the. Game. I know, I know. It's it, but yeah, it's worth it. It's a temporary sacrifice. Yeah. And then uh, I think what I'm gonna do is three days before the ceremony, I'm gonna fast. There's this um, tyramine. The substance that the reason why we're doing this diet is because of, from the research I've done is for this substance called tyramine. A lot of the foods that we eat, especially on the carnivore diet, like meats and stuff like that, they're high in a substance called tyramine. And so is ayahuasca. So the ayahuasca, if you have a, a diet that's high in tyramine and then you take the ayahuasca, which is high in tyramine, it can kill you. And I'm like, oh, that makes yeah, sense. I don't want you to die. So what I'm going to do is. Three days before the ceremony, I'm going to fast so mm. that I have a full 72 hours complete fast going into the ceremony and that I'm perfectly clean. Yeah, I'm just going to be hydrated and I'm going to go into it as clean as I can be so that I have as little to uh, it, to expel as possible, you know? Yeah. And then if I can, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to because I have no idea what I'm getting ready to experience, but in my mind... I would like to fast the three days of the ceremony, mm -hmm. and then you're not supposed to go off of this diet for another three or four days after you get back anyway, because you, you can you still now you have this high dose of tyramine in your system, and so you can't really risk taking in food. So I'm going to try to do a nine-day fast. I'm going to do three days going in, three days at the ceremony, and then three days after the ceremony as a fast, which for me, you know, nine days is no big deal. Not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. But I don't know what it's going to be like with the ceremony in the middle. Yeah. This could be a tremendous deal. I could be talking completely out of my ass. 
I have no idea. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Yeah. But that is my goal going. That's my game plan. All game plans usually go out the window once you get hit. Oh, 100%. So, uh, you know, but <laughs> there is a game plan going into this that this is how I'm going to approach it. So we'll see. There's probably a bunch of people out there that's done ayahuasca. They're like, this guy's a fucking idiot. And well, I'll find out. He's going to find out today. I'll be I'll be here three weeks from now and be like, so I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Tell me all the stories. Oh, dude! I'll tell you about when I meet God. Yeah. Oh, dude, I, I'm, I'm so pumped. I am so fucking. I'm sad. Pumped. I, I'm sad. It just timing just did not work out for me with what I got going on. I'm so bummed. I'm gonna miss it. But I'm sure yeah. there'll be other. Well, the week ceremonies. the week after I got back is when we have Monica Adams on. Yeah. And that ought to be actually really interesting because I'm going to be very open. Mm-hmm. So the 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 ceremony is supposed to like open your third eye. And so you're supposed to remain open for a while. And Monica is one of those people that she's already a very open individual. And she's very much, you know, she's got this, um, I, I'm going to fuck it up. But she, anyway, she's got this mind, body, uh, spirit principles that she does. And she has a couple other things and all of it. Like, you know, if you can be anything, be kind, right? And she's all about being a good human. And she's coming in here to talk about these different modalities and stuff. And uh, I'm really excited to have that conversation with her, why I'm open. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see like how much more I'm able to engage in that space or how much more I'm able to understand in that space right? and how deep that conversation can really go when I'm in that space versus where I'm at now. Because I feel like now I don't feel like I would be as, as open as I'm going to be. So I'm kind of excited about that. I think that's going to be a really good podcast. I'm, yeah. That, that's one that I'm really looking forward to. Well, all we have is good podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, then poor fuckers out here that have to listen to me. And they're like, oh, this episode sucked. <laughs> oh, well. No. You know, they, they should just be here sitting with us and it would be a better time. It would be a better time. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk to anybody. We'll do like a community discord one day. That'd be fun. Yeah, so yeah, we got to figure out some shit too. We got we're trying to get the video thing figured out and getting uh, the virtual thing figured out. We got some stuff that we're going to work on coming down the pipeline. So yeah, that ought to be interesting. I, I know I created a YouTube page for the intent of posting video podcast three weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is how far I have made it. It's fine. Yeah, that's okay. I got a TikTok. We're good. Tickety talk. <laughs> The Tic Tac. Good shot on there. <laughs> That's the fucking worst thing in the world. It's all like Chinese conspiracy. And I know. I fucking not. I've yeah. had TikTok forever and I don't. I'm 90% sure the Chinese government now owns my phone. Man. Which is probably no different than Facebook owning my phone. Those the, bastards. Everyone's worried about the China, the Chinese government owning your phone. Motherfuckers, the American government dude, owns your phone. Dude, Facebook is so fucked. Like, I want to bitch about this for a minute. So Michelle joins Facebook. Yeah. Three days ago. Yeah. Three days ago, she posts a stupid picture of her laying on the floor yeah. with her dog. I, I saw it. Okay. Within the first 24 hours, she has over a 1,000 friend requests. She made over 2,000 friends in the first 48 hours. She now has like 5,000 friends on Facebook. Jesus Christ. In less than a week. In less than a week. So I took on this same strategy, right? I was like, oh, shit. I'm just going to start friending everyone. Facebook won't let me do that. And you know how many friend requests I get? Do you know how much this bearded motherfucker gets? Zero. You're not hot. Sorry, Dude, man. I'm so pissed. I, I need, I need, I'm telling you. <laughs> She's just prettier than you are. Dude, I'm telling just you right now. It. Well, between that and Facebook doing whatever they did to us, because when we decided to tag Boone and we got in this whole General Flynn camp, yeah. 
our fucking Facebook page has just been throttled. I can't boost post. Every post that I try to boost, it gives me some reason why this fucking post can't be boost now. And everything that I share gets like two likes. I'll share it on my personal page and I get like five, which is great, whatever, because all my friends out there apparently don't follow me. <laughs> you know, they're fucking, I like it. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that algorithm. But, uh, you know, um, we have just been absolutely throttled. So I got on X because I got pissed. And then I went on X. Now X, I'm getting traction. And like posts are actually getting out and I'm able to like like things and like I have a little bit of freedom in that space. And that's kind of what sent me over to TikTok too, which I was like, well, we'll see what the fucking communists are like. Uh, because they can't be any different than the Facebook communists it's at this not point. Not any better, I'll tell you that. Oh my God, dude. And Facebook, I'm so mad at Facebook. And it's the the communities and the rules and the way they, it's almost a useless platform. It's like half the shit I see on Facebook is three or four days old. Somebody will post something like, hey, look, I'm going to be here today at this time. And I'll see it like three days later. Why the fuck didn't I see that the day of? Like, wouldn't it have been nice if I'd have known that this person was going to be over here and I could have like, you know, shown up? Well, they don't want you to talk to people. Especially like when they're fundraisers and shit like that. Like I had a fundraiser <laughs> come over. It was like, hey, come down to this restaurant and support this fundraiser because this person just died. All the, the proceeds that are that are being raised today is going to support this person. And I got it in my feed two days after the fucking event occurred. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Like I would have actually went. Yeah. Yeah, fuck, what good does that do me? That's bullshit. Not a, not a damn bit. Yeah, so fuck Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, bastards. But, you know, that is what it is. It's necessary evil at this point. It is. Yeah. The social medias, all of them. Yeah, they, you know, X is a limited platform. I appreciate what they're trying to do over there, but it's a difficult platform to engage on. It's just the, the way that Twitter is set up, it was set up, and the way X is based off that Twitter platform. Mm -hmm. It's never been, you know, I'm too talky. I can't do shit what? in like a hundred words. Shut the front like door. I can't even say hello with a hundred <laughs> words. Like, what the fuck are you going to do with a hundred words? <laughs> like, you know, I'm like editing everything. By the time I get done, it's like, you're fucked. Open door, walk through, done. <laughs> <laughs> just don't know what else to say so apparently i need to learn how to fucking write or something I don't, it's terrible it's all good we'll figure it out yeah oh man well i'll tell you what dude we have an exciting couple of weeks coming up man looking I, forward to it, it felt good to get back to like an og episode yeah it's been a minute it was nice just to sit back and to do something that was low stress that yeah. just let us kind of kick back hopefully the audience enjoyed it guys we love you so much if you're still out there listening do me a favor go ahead and hit that subscribe button and next to that is that little notification bell click that motherfucker and you will be notified every time that we drop episodes we will try to drop episodes every week saturday by midnight but most episodes our goal is to get it out friday at 4 20 because we like weed. <laughs> that's really ish. That's it. Man, yeah, but, hey, you're a stoner now, man. You're you're I in, smoked one you are, one night. No, now I'm mother, a stoner. Motherfucker, you were in the cannabis camp. The, I mean, I'm, hey, dude, Captain Cannabis over there. Oh, Jesus yeah, Christ. Labeled. Here we go. That's it. Captain Cannabis. Suck one dude, dick. I just cocksucker for life. Dude, truth. Too bad. <laughs> it, it, it was mine. Anyway. <laughs> hey. Uh hello. <laughs> I love you so much, brother. <laughs> Uh, we're not going to edit that either. Nope. Um, oh, man. So let me take a second and thank our sponsors. I want to give a big shout out to Malevolent Art Studio over in Barnhart, Missouri. That is our man, Anthony Ferguson, over there. And let me tell you guys, this dude is a badass. And he is one of my favorite tattoo artists. His 
technical work, his his line work, his color saturations, the way that he does his tattoos is really next to none. I, I love his designs. I, I love the process, the way that he does it. I have several tattoos from him. I know several people that are friends of mine that have been tattooed by him. I have known Anthony for the better part of like 15 years at this point, and he is just such an excellent, excellent artist. If you were looking for a tattoo, especially if you were in the market for your first tattoo, you owe it to yourself to go down to Malevolent Art and check out Anthony and the artists that he has over there. You're going to get a professional shop. You're going to have a good experience. You're going to get tattoo artists that are going to, one, listen to you, two, educate you, three, they're going to give you something to look at before you put it on your body for the rest of your life, and they're going to make sure that you're happy with it. And then when you get that tattoo, it's going to look like the fucking drawing. <laughs> and that's important for some of us out there that have been tattooed before, and that has not been the case. I follow people for two reasons, really good tattoos and really bad tattoos. Yeah, so <laughs> if you were looking for a tattoo, please go see Anthony Ferguson over at Malevolent Art Tattoo Studios. Look down in the description, you will see a link for contact for him. If you mention the Stoned Apes podcast, he is going to give you $50 off any booked appointment. The next, we would like to thank Strategic Stitch. Strategic Stitch is the one that handles all of our apparel and our dropship. We have some very exciting stuff coming in the next week or two. I finally got the finalization on a few things, so that it's going to be up on the website shortly. You need to be looking for it. But the quality of their work is fantastic. They do DTF, which is a digital print technology, which I will tell you what, if you guys are out there and you're looking for screen printing or anything like that, and if it's holding you back, if you're a small company and you just can't afford to get into the game because they they have too high of a minimum order. What DTF allows Strategic Stitch to do is to be able to get you in at low orders, one, two, ten, and they're going to be able to do individual orders for you. They'll be able to set up drop ships, which is what they have done for the Stone Apes. It's a fantastic service. In addition to that, they do embroidery. They've they're doing the embroidery on our hats, which I haven't showed you that, Captain. Our fucking hats are dope. I'm excited. Did you see the Jacob Bryan hats? No, I didn't. Oh yeah, wait till we release some of that shit. That's gonna be awesome. That's gonna be very nice. Okay, so they do an excellent job with embroidery and they do metal laser engraving and so like these coasters that are here i'll post a picture of this on facebook they engrave some coasters for us and they've done some other stuff and some koozies uh it's pretty cool the way they are now engraving have you seen those hats with the leather patches on them yeah so they're doing the laser engraving on that they did a stoned apes sample and i actually uh yeah that one right this there right here yeah that one's fucking dope but what i realized is is after i seen their will not comply hat which I was like, oh my God, that hat is fucking dope. I would need a cooler logo. <laughs> so I'm going to see if I can design a better design to do because I really like the leather patch idea, but I want something a little bit more complex. Right. But man, these guys are fucking fantastic. So they'll figure it out. Absolutely. So why don't you reach out to my man, Jeff Forbush? He's over there at Strategic Stitch. Look down in the description. You will see a link and contact information for them. If you mention the Stone Apes podcast, they will give you 10% off of any purchased item that you get through them. And again, those guys are fantastic. Fantastic. And for this episode, guys, we have taken enough of your time. Look, I appreciate everyone out there that takes the time to listen. Make sure that you tell other people about us. Let's spread the word. Let's grow Ape Nation. We consider you guys all family. And I appreciate each and every single one of you. And for the Stoned Apes, we are out.